Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Welcome back, everybody. This is Jeff. Glad you tuned in to Mavericks and Misfits today. So appreciate you guys being a part of um, the group that listens to these podcasts, and I love hearing from you. We've gotten a lot of good feedback, especially from a surprising segment, but young millennial or Gen Z guys that are listening to this podcast that are um, getting some help and just so grateful for it. And I know there's some females out there too, but um, I think somewhat, for some reason that my, my style resonates more with men than women sometimes. And uh, hey, frankly, I'm just glad anybody's listening whatsoever. So if you are tuned in today, I just want to get say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. Um, there's so much going on in this um season that we're in, in my life personally, um, nationally here in the United States of America, locally here in my corner of the country, which is the southeastern United States, uh, affectionately called the Bible Belt, and especially in the state of Georgia. God seems to be pleased right now to be doing some things in Georgia and the Carolinas and Alabama. And uh, I'm grateful for it. This is an area of the United States of America that has historically been inundated with cultural Christianity. And for many decades, um, that cultural Christianity carried with it uh, the power of God and the message of Jesus. And when I say cultural Christianity back then, I was just saying that the culture was highly Christian and it was authentic and it was genuine. It's not to say it was perfect, but it was real. But um, somewhere probably around the 70s, 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, uh, there became a shift where a lot of the authenticity and a lot of the potency of the gospel and the moving of the Holy Spirit and the um, integrity of churches, somewhere that began to dilute and diminish and what we were left with, not not entirely, but um, comparatively what we were left with is is a lesser version of the Christianity that dominated down here in the culture of the southeastern United States uh, in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. And so um, now, if I'm being honest with you, I just feel like the Lord is offering the Southeast another opportunity to steward his presence. Um, I am a child, or maybe even a grandchild, of those authentic moves in the power of God and mass salvations and revival that was um, fairly common in the 60s, the 50s, the 60s, and maybe even into the very early 70s. Um, so I was a little kid in the early 70s, and I, I, I'm longing for the power of God to return to my segment of the country. Um, I don't want to hear about, well, let me rephrase that. I'm fine with hearing about the Lord moving in other places, but I don't want to hear about it and not experience it. And you shouldn't either. Um, everybody that's listening to this, no matter where you are, you should be a part of that remnant in your region that is crying out to God for revival, for God to move. You should be banded together 
with individuals that are pursuing that very same thing. And it's, it's not enough to wish for a revival. We have to contend for a revival. We have to press in for a revival. We have to fast for a revival. We have to pray for a revival. We have to preach for a revival. We have to, you know, reform for revival. And it's, it's not because we want great Sunday services. That's a byproduct and that will happen. But revival is not about having really, you know, cool and dynamic Sunday services. Revival is about stewarding God's will, God's work, God's power, and God's word with us wherever we go. So that means at school, that means in, in the workplace, that means in the neighborhood, that means in the home, that means everywhere we go, we want the magnification and the elevation of the presence of God. And so um, I'm just thinking about that this morning. I'm, I've experienced a radical shift in my own ministry, as most of you would know. I, I um, have moved from Newbridge Church, where I pastored uh, as the lead pastor since 2002, last couple of years doing it as a team with my friends Dustin Pennington and Billy Humphrey. Um, but prior to 2002, I was on staff from 1997 um, unto 2002 as a junior staff member. So, and then before that, I was just a member of the church since 1994. So just in the last, um, month, I have moved on from a church that I've been at since the early days of my salvation in 1994 and have begun a new work. And I'm now the lead pastor at the church at Winder. And that's located in Bethlehem, Georgia, near the Winder Bethlehem border. And the church at Winder is my new home. That's the new flock that I'm uh, learning and loving and serving with and just started preach my first message there last Sunday and uh, just so grateful but wh- when I'm thinking about it I'm I, I, I'm telling the people at Winder that God did not send my family here so we could maintain a historical um, move in other words we're not here to preserve history we're not here to be a museum to a religious past that when God moves somebody out of a a place of ministry that he's been at for 27 years and deposits him among a group of people that are, have been praying and contending and asking God to bring breakthrough and revival in their own church, that marriage of a pastor and a congregation that's hungry for the, for the move of God, that means things are going to shift. Things are going to change. And so we're praying into that. Uh, We're just getting started. Matter of fact, if you live in the Bethlehem, Winder, Decula, Auburn area, even over into Athens, we invite you to come and be a part of the church at Winder. Um, But come with a mind to serve and a mind to work. Don't just come to spectate, come to participate, because um, these are the days where we don't need people sitting around watching the, you know, paid staff do do the work. I'm I'm asking God to do something great in this area. I believe he wants to do something in Winder and Bethlehem and Auburn and Decula and that surrounding area. And so we're praying, God, send us laborers, send us people that are hungry. Um, listen to me. I, if you want to know if I'm bought into this, I'm absolutely bought in. I, I left a very comfortable ministry where I was known, received, and had everything basically that an individual could want in ministry as far as resources and you know human resources and financial resources for ministry. And um, it was a great, even from a, um, a work standpoint, it was a great job, but it was also an intense calling. But God called me out of that. And so leaving a church that before COVID was running about 1,100 a week in our various services to um, a smaller flock of 125 to 150 people. And, uh, of course, on our first Sunday, we saw that number tick up because there is something going on here. But my point being is this. It's not about the metric. It's not about the numbers. It's not about being impressive. It's not about, you know, 
having a savvy social marketing strategy or anything like that, here's the most important question that any of us can be answering um, or asking and waiting on God to answer. We say, Lord, what are you doing? What are you doing? What is the work that you are doing right now, Father, in my region? That's the most important question that individuals and churches can be asking because as the clock is ticking and the calendar is turning towards the second coming of Jesus Christ, we need to make sure that we are doing what God is doing. We need to make sure that we're not wasting time doing, um, you know, normalized religious activity and missing where the anointing is being poured out, where the hand of God is moving. There's a lot of great things you can do in the name of Jesus. But the only thing that really matters is if we are doing what God is doing. Do you remember when Jesus was walking the earth and he was being accused and he was being harassed by the religious authorities and he looked at them one day and he said, I'm only doing what I see my father doing. And then in a different place, he said, I only speak what my father is speaking. So Jesus, the son of man, yes, he's God, but he's also the son of man. And when he came to earth, he submitted himself and took upon the form of a human and was made in the likeness of man. And as he lived out his life, he said, I move where the father moves. I say what the father says. And so Jesus patterned for us that mode of living uh, for us, what is a life of faith. We have to discern what the father is doing. We have to do what they what he's doing we have to say what he's saying and everything else is either a near miss or a complete miss and so that's what we need to be asking right now you in your own life what lord what are you doing around me i want to get in on it and i don't want to miss it lord where are you moving um listen i'm going to be bold here and i i want you to pray through this but i'm going to be bold in how i say it and you just you just pray and ask the lord if this is something you need to be considering if you are consistently in a place that refuses to pursue the Lord and steward a move of God, if you're in a church, if you're under leadership that is apathetic, if you are in a place that is not contending for the presence and the power of God to be manifest in your region and your generation, if you're in a place that doesn't honor the word of God, and by the way, these are not either ors. These need to be and both. They honor the word of God and they are pressing in for presence, power, revival, breakthrough, all of the manifestations of an active and living God. If you're not in a place like that, a church like that, and doing life with a people group like that, listen, you should strongly consider if that's the kind of leadership that you need to be under. Now, it's different if they're struggling to do that. Um, weakness in, in pursuit is not the same thing as indifference to pursuit. But there are many, many, many churches and leaders that just don't care. They don't care what God is doing. They're going to show up. They're going to go through the motions. They're going to preserve status quo Christianity. They're going to check the checklist of all the denominational norms and all the stuff that they're supposed to do and standards. And it looks like church and it feels like cultural Christianity, but it's not. It's, it's just stale. And if that's, if that's the history and that's the current trajectory, that's probably not a place that God is going to permanently assign you to unless he, he has put you there to, to reform that place. And if you're not in a position where you can influence or, or change that place, it's probably a consideration that you need to understand that uh, it might be time to move on and to find a place where there's hunger because the hungry will be filled, the thirsty will be filled, the righteous will be filled. 
And so as I'm thinking through these things today, I'm, I'm not giving you a lesson today. I'm not giving you a sermon. I'm not even giving you a devotion. I'm giving you a charge. I'm saying, do you know what God is doing in your region? And if you do know, are you, are you able to participate in that with the people that you're in covenant with? Um, if you don't know what God is doing in your region, then by all means, he probably is stirring in you to be the one in your region to seek him. Lord, what are you doing in my city? What are you doing in my region? What are you doing in my church? And so often, friends, for those that are spiritually stirred and zealous and hungry, um, God will stir you up inwardly for what he wants to do through you outwardly. Did you hear me on that? God will stir you up inwardly for what he wants to do through you outwardly. And so often we diminish the significance of what is our passion? What is our hunger? What is that spiritual thing? If we're walking in the spirit, if we're pursuing the Lord and our passions are being elevated, what is that thing that you're passionate about? I have a good friend named Ryan and Ryan is passionate about the presence of God. He, I mean, if he could, he would sit in the presence of God, interceding, praying, and asking God for revelation. He would do that 18 hours a day if he could. Now, he's got to earn a living. He's got to pay his bills. He's got you know ministry that he's got to do too. But Ryan's passion is the presence of God. And I see it on such a high level on his life that I ask myself, Lord, is, is that what you're doing in Ryan or is that what you're wanting to do in all of us? Lord, how do, we, how do we create space for that? How do we long and hunger for your face like Ryan does? And then I've got, you know, this awesomely beautiful, gorgeous wife who is full of the spirit. And right now, the move that the Lord is doing in her heart is spiritual mothering. Um, Amy's in her mid-40s, and she wants to pour into younger women and men. She wants to, to be a spiritual mom, and it's not even something she has to work at. It just happens. So I'm asking myself, Lord, are you raising up a spiritual mothering, a spiritual fathering movement in our generation? And if so, what do we need to do to steward that? Um, there is a massive move right now among people that I've been doing life with for years to reach the, some of the farthest and darkest places in the 1040 window. And then also like in the Middle East, in Africa, North Africa, where it's heavily Islamic. And the, the Lord is just burdening uh, millennials and Gen Zers to go over there with the gospel of Jesus Christ into a place that is the singularly most difficult people to reach are Muslims. And right now, God is just giving tears, hearts filled with tears and filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit to sacrifice everything, just sell it all out and go over to the Middle East with the gospel. Now, is that just for a handful of people or is that what the Lord is doing? Listen, media, right now you're listening to a podcast and this is um, kind of a ministry under the umbrella of Transforming Truth and Transforming Truth is a very meat and potatoes ministry that I've been you know, coordinating and leading since 2006 um, from radio to TV to internet to Roku to YouTube, all of that stuff that we do to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast. Um, media is something that's been offered our generation, like right now in the last 15 years is the first generation really outside of television and radio, but we, we can reach the globe in an instant for such a low expense when you're, you know, I mean, literally, if you really wanted to, you could just record it, put it on the internet and it could reach people everywhere and it doesn't cost you anything. If you want to do it at the level that we're doing in it, yeah, it costs, it costs quite a bit of money. But the, the point that I'm making is the technology, no generation ever in the history of the church has had the ability to reach 
potential millions of people and doing it through digital media. And so you ask yourself, Lord, is that what you're doing? When they shut down our churches in the United States, how's the gospel going to go forth? Well, it's going to go forth primarily person-to-person grassroots. We may have to go underground, but listen, these, this digital footprint will be out there. It, it would be impossible for the powers that be and the one world, one world government that is going to eventually take ownership of the governing of planet Earth. It'll be impossible for them to completely scrub all of the digital footprint of the gospel. So one of the reasons I put out massive amounts of media is because I want to do my part to make sure that when they clamp down on us and they shut us down and they try to silence us and they imprison us and they persecute us, that there will be enough of a digital footprint that um, you can't completely exterminate it. I'll give you a little tip here. This may sound weird to some of you guys. I don't care. (laughs) Um, I've got massive hard drives with hundreds upon hundreds, probably thousands at this point, of sermons that I've preached since um, 2002, and I've got them on external hard drives, and I've got them strategically stored in places so that if really, literally, I mean, I want you to think kind of just kind of <laughs> dystopic for me, uh, with me for a second, if if the governing powers take over planet Earth and they absolutely criminalize the gospel, back in the day they would hide printed Bibles in caves. Do you know what I'm doing? I'm hiding digital sermons on external hard drives, and they will be discovered and found. And I'm, I'm just believing that if that day comes, maybe in 30 years, somebody will find that old external hard drive. They'll still have the ability to configure it to whatever technology is being used at that time. And they'll open a folder, a file, and there, there it is, like literally thousands of MP3 sermons with the teaching of the Word of God. That kind of stuff just stirs me, man. And, I, and so I've been thinking about that kind of stuff for years. And I believe it's something that God is doing. What God is doing is not primarily just for you. It's through you into the, the age that we're living in, into the present generation. But you also need to be thinking about what kind of, what are you leaving behind for your children and grandchildren? You may not even be married. You might be 19 years old and listening to this. But let's just say that things continue as they are. What will your children and grandchildren have accessible to them and their generation from your life right now today? So I believe in writing. I believe in recording. I believe in preaching, proclamation, discipling. I believe writing down revelation. I believe in expounding the scriptures, prophetic ministry, all of that stuff. See, that's some of what God's doing right now. That's a whole lot more than sitting in a church service. It's a whole lot more than four songs in a 40-minute sermon, 15 minutes if you're in the average church. It's a whole lot more than paying your 10% and feeling like you've served God that week. Friends, where are the radicals? Where are those that are saying, God, my life is not my own. I'm bought with a price. I want you to move in me. I want you to move through me. I want you to move for me. If you're listening to this podcast, it is highly likely that you already have that spiritual DNA in you. Because mundane status quo, average believers don't really have an interest in the material that we put out on Mavericks and Misfits. They, they can't really endure transforming truths ministry because it is so biblical and not biblical in a boring, stale seminarian way, but biblical in, in the sense that it's the word and the power of God. Because I don't let people just read their Bibles and say, hmm, that was pleasant. That's an intriguing verse. Hmm, 
perhaps I should ponder this. That's not why the Bible was written. It's not simply meant to massage your brain. It's meant to provoke your spirit. It's meant to energize you, to raise you up, to quicken you, to bring you into a place where you are, it's impossible for you to breathe in one more season of the stale air of cultural Christianity that is devoid of the power. Cultural Christianity used to have power because the culture and the Christian, the Christian was influencing the culture. But now what we've got is the culture influencing Christianity. So when I use that phrase speaking now, cultural Christianity is a negative thing. It's a watered down, impotent version of the gospel and the power of God. And the Holy Spirit's not necessary for cultural Christianity. He doesn't have a place in cultural Christianity. He doesn't have a place in status quo Christendom. The Holy Spirit is moving where he's welcomed. He's moving where he's honored. He's moving where he's desired. He's moving where he is submitted to as God the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not interested in showing up in church services and sitting on the back row and watching you do your song and dance for him, pastors, leaders. The Holy Spirit is saying, I will come, but I come to rule this church. I come to be the orchestrator of what happens here. I I don't want to be merely omnipresent in your services and your ministries, church leaders. I want to be the presiding presence. I want you to follow me instead of trying to use me to squeeze into the tiny little margins that you provide for me to work. You see, I'm stirred about this stuff, and I hope that you are too. I don't think this is the season where we can just keep nodding our heads, saying our amens, our amens are not enough. We, we have to go beyond acknowledging something to be true with the mind, and we have to give ourselves to the truth of God. And we have to align ourselves with the present-day move of God. And friends, I'm going to tell you, if you're in a place and you say, I don't see God moving, well, then you're in the wrong place unless you will fully surrender and say, God, I don't see you moving in my life. I don't see you moving in my family. I don't see you moving in my church. I don't see you moving in my city, but I'm not going to leave any of these things. I'm going to ask you, Lord, to begin right here with me. And don't for a second think that that's some superficial Hallmark card romanticized prayer. It is a dangerous prayer to say, God, I am here. Move in me. Begin with me. You say, You might be like Moses. I was studying Moses this morning. And Moses, when he's called, he's an old man. He's 80 years old. And God calls him. And for a chapter and a half, Moses tells God why God got it wrong in calling him. And Moses gives every excuse. And God just keeps saying, I'm going to provide for your weakness. I'm going to provide what you need. I'm going to cause the people to listen to you. I'm going to take care of Pharaoh and and the, the Egyptians. But Moses, I'm calling you to surrender. I'm calling you to step up. And Moses just gave every excuse in the book until finally you get down, I think, into chapter number three. And it it says, um, and God was angry with Moses. Yeah, God got mad at Moses because he was sick of Moses' excuses. And finally, God just said, hey, look, I'm not asking you to do this. I'm commanding you to do this. You're going to do it. I'm going to help you. Now, Walk, put your sandals back on. Walk away from this bush and start heading towards Egypt. I've got a mission for you. And some of you guys need to hear that right now. That, okay, well, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too uneducated, 
I'm too unskilled in speech. I'm too introverted. I'm too um, undisciplined. Okay, that's fine. Good. Confess all of those things and then listen to the Lord say, I knew all of that before I called you. I knew all of that before I commissioned you. I'm not asking you to be perfect before you begin. I'm asking you to begin and I will perfect you. I will compensate for your weaknesses. I will humble you through them, but I will no, by no means will I allow my mission to be submitted to your weaknesses because I'm the great I am. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm calling you to do something in your generation. I wish some of you would receive that today. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, get a hold of the listener right now. Get a hold of her. Let her know that this is for her. Get a hold of him. Let him know that this is for him. I pray boldly, Lord, that even through this simple podcast episode that you will call some people into the mission field, that you will call some people into the ministry of reformation. Holy Spirit, birth dreams in their heart right now in this season and give them the courage in every place where they don't have the clarity. I'm asking you, Lord, to um, incinerate our excuses Deliver us from our pride, Lord, that says that we have to be on top of our game for anything to happen. Lord, you only use broken vessels. You only use weak, surrendered people. Lord, help us to remember what you said to the church at Corinth through the Apostle Paul, but that you've chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. And God, let our, let our excuses die. I'm asking you right now, Lord, seal in the soul of those that are listening that they are being called in their generation to do something great, to be able to stand up and say, if the Lord is for me, who can be against me? I'm asking you, Lord, to give vision. Take away all of the fear. And if any fear remains, Lord, just let it serve to drive them deeper into dependence upon you. We say yes, Lord. You have our yes. Enlarge it. Fill it with oil. God, put the wind in us again so that in this generation, great things will be done for the glory of Jesus. And I ask these things, even decreeing them, Lord, for the glory of Jesus and in his holy name. Amen. So be it. And amen. All right, guys, that's my charge to you today. That's my call to you. That's all there for you to consider and for you to receive. And there's, there's already courage and faith for some of you to do that. As I'm signing off today, I want to remind you, please pray for us. Pray for the church at Winder, where I'm now serving. Pray for transforming truth. Uh, We've got a lot of great things that we need to do, and the time is short, and we can't do it without the power of God. And so I encourage you, please pray for us. So listen, my time is gone. Check out transformingtruth.org. That is our media ministry website. Check out transformingtruth.org. And um, avail yourself of teaching resources and the writings I do there and um, check out the blog and, and my social media links. And listen, I don't have a need, just so in case you're wondering, this is not about self-promotion. I just know when I post something, when I write something or when I say something, it's usually after I've asked God, God, what are you saying? and What do you want me to do? And so the reason why I point you to those things is because I think they'll help you. <laughs> it's that simple. They'll actually help you. Um, I'm not like a dude who hangs out on social media all the time. I usually post in the morning. 
I very rarely read the posts of others. Don't be offended. Um, I'm not one who hangs out on Facebook or Twitter all day long or Instagram. I, I use it as a communication tool for the glory of Jesus. And all of my links are there. And those things will help you. And I encourage you, use your social media for the glory of Jesus. Let's just soak social media with the gospel, with the truth of God's word, with prophetic words, with words of knowledge and wisdom. And stay in the presence of God until you've got something rich to say, okay? Don't just, oh, it's Ecclesiastes 5 says, Be not rash with your mouth, neither let your heart be hasty to utter anything before the Lord. For God is in heaven, you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. So in other words, it's not about the multitude of words, it's about the richness of what you say. And God is still speaking. And I think he's speaking to some of you. We'll see you next time. Well, actually, we won't see you, but we will talk to you next time on Mavericks and Misfits. God bless. Have a great day. Have you gotten a copy of Jeff's book? His autobiography, titled Figuring It Out As I Go, shares Jeff's journey from being abandoned at childhood to journeying through the maze of addiction as a teen and young adult, into his supernatural deliverance at the age of 24, and then into the fascinating pilgrimage into the depths of the Holy Spirit. Order your copy today at jefflyle.com or anywhere online where you buy books. You can also hear Jeff narrate the book by ordering an audio copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at audible.com.